Hello and welcome to Kunai Quest episode 226? Seven. Seven. Wow, I can't believe I screwed that up. I'm your host, Mike Apps, aka Wheels, and with me as always. Uh, too tired for this, David McBurney family. And perfectly willing to believe that Wheels could screw it up, Michael Baker, Benjamin wow. Okadari. Such faith. Oh, yeah. Hold on. Hold on. I mean, how many? How many of these have we done at this point? Two hundred twenty-seven. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. Recording's fine and yeah. everything. I just need to figure out why. Can someone check the RP Gamer stream real quick and see if my voice is coming through? Let me check. The audio levels are telling me it's not, but it is set to the correct microphone. Testing, testing. I don't hear anything from the Archimedes thing. Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, no, wait, no, I hear me. I do not hear the game. Do you hear I do not hear The game you. is very quiet, so that's fine. Um, what about now? Hello? Hello? Uh, you don't hear anything now. Hello? Uh, I'm way louder than Gaijin. Hello? Hello? Okay, now it's showing up. It should be working. Hello? Okay, yeah. Okay. So oh. me and Wheels are both louder than Gaijin now. Uh, that's okay. Um, I'm going... Let me, hold on, I'll pull up Discord what? and I'll... I need to raise the volume? Uh, I can just manually increase your volume in Discord. Okay, so I don't have to just start shouting. Yeah. Yeah, that's wiser. I can just start shouting, it's okay. Yeah, but nah. <laughs> okay, so technical difficulties fixed. Uh for now. Dun dun dun. Hopefully, the, anyone watching the RP Gamer stream didn't flee in uh, silence, essentially. Um, I love fleeing silence. <laughs> this is the sound of silence. Streams I walked I am playing Monster Hunter Rise on stream this week because. Uh, they are, they have, or are going to add soon, uh, a Palamede skin that is Rush from Mega Man. Fun. Which is rad. What, let you turn your pal, Palamede into Rush Jet? Yeah, uh, probably um, not. Actually, I, I saw, I saw Rush on a promotional feature somehow. Yeah, but I want it to be Rush Jet. I want to fly around on it. That would uh. be... Honestly, not that inappropriate for this particular monster hunter. Do it, cowards. Um, uh, what, what has everyone been playing? I, uh, I just I just engaged a giant bug monster outside of a town in Outer Worlds, and the local um, the local shopkeeper actually ran in to start shooting things for me. Sounds like, good job. Oh. There's more people than just me shooting at this guy. Yay. 
Go, go and search. Yeah. It's actually the first time I've ever seen them do that because I don't usually get into fights that close to friendly characters. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. No, they can be quite handy. Oh, it's fun. Yeah. Always fun. Also, I, I saw what you meant about the alternate hard. route. Wheels. Oh, yes. <laughs> Have you traveled down that way? I actually took it the opposite direction for a bit. Ah, yes. And uh, after five attempts, I managed to get rid of the Mega Manta Queen. <laughs> um, from, a, from a very safe distance, and um, smart. But there's this section where there's like three or four manta queens under a stone arch that I just cannot clear through from either direction. Oof. But then, then I did a landing down in, um, or I did a landing on the pad there. And came at it from the other direction and was like, oh, they've got two unique named Raptodons here. This is fun. Mm. Well, they had. They're dead now. So I was stuck there for a while, if you can believe it. <laughs> I'm surprised you made it out of there. <laughs> it was not easy. I'm a little confused as to why Wheels on stream just like, took a break to download one <laughs> Because uh, I had planned on playing that at some point in the stream, and I forgot to... Forgot to uh, okay. Sorry, continue, Gretchen. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm down to... I think I've got six non-main quest items left on Monarch. I haven't discovered any more yet. So, um... And a lot of them require me to reach Cascadia from the other side of the locked bridge. Mm. So that's not going to be happening anytime soon. Yeah, that's not fun. It's preparing you for that. Um, that's kind of goes without saying at this point. Like, I I can see why uh, everyone decided that they would rather leave this particular moon. Yeah, it's kind of a nightmare. <laughs> yep. Oh well. <laughs> now the way that they completely failed to evacuate everyone is a bit of worse but yeah oh yes 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 but yeah it is what it is and it is wonderfully messed up oh yes all of <laughs> Uh, you'll be happy to know the next world you go to is much less filled with giant bug monsters. That's always good. So, I mean, is it Hephaestus or Tartarus? Uh, is it a literal hellhole or a prison hellhole? Uh, it's like the the capital hellhole. Oh, Byzantium. Never mind. Or maybe there's another world in between. I forget. I mean, there's two more actual worlds that are obviously visitable. And one of them's got yes. a nice lock symbol on it where I can't visit it just yet. And I know that there's a capital city on the first world that I have yet to be able to visit. Yeah, I think that's bef right before the final area. So my, uh, I, the other world is next, the one I'm forgetting. Yeah. So Either way, it's nicer than Bug World. 
That's for damn sure. Can't believe you played with about Bug World. Hey, Bug World did it to itself. I don't know what to tell you. You're being real rude to Bug World. Well, it, Bug World knows Bug what World it did. Bug World tried its best. Bug World knows what it did, man. I don't know what else to tell you. Bug World gives you it's everything. Okay, you Bug do World. <laughs> it's just a case of what? Let's see what can kill us next. <laughs> In Bug World. Me. Well, I can kill everything else next, probably. Maybe. You never know. I think you've got what it takes. You're the best yeah. around. You're more. the best in town. Listen to that sound. A little bit of all you got can never bring you hey, listen, back. It's not the best. Wait, no, that's not how it goes. Around. It's not the best yeah, choice. Don't... Thank you. Uh, I'm 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 now gonna be fired from my role in the Spacers, Spacers Choice Corporation. So sad. No, no, they're they're just gonna put you in the special occupational therapy, and you'll have to wear the stupid hat forever. No, that's even worse. Oh, no, no, no! It is officially not a stupid hat. It is a proud symbol of the corporation. <laughs> Oh god, that so, guy is great. But again, um, we talked about having to pick up Ellie earlier in your next playthrough. Yes. Um, yeah, that one guy on Groundbreaker, the, the space station, she messes with him so hard. Oh god, I can't believe I missed that. It, I missed yeah, that. it's like, he's, he's giving one of his spiels and, he, and she's like, oh, hey, you know, you just recommended an anti-Cleo product. And he's like, what? No, oh no, they're gonna find me! Ah! Stop hyperventilating, I was just shitting you. <laughs> Yeah. Even more fun. Um, I picked up some uh, negative traits here and there uh, in exchange for more perks. Mm. And one of them is robot phobia. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I mean... Is, I mean, okay, makes sense. You're, fa um, you're up close against certain um, enemies, and you get a, a minor, minor penalty for stuff, which I'm fine with. However, I did not realize that it also affects you when you are using Sam, the cleaning machine, as a party member. Oh no! <laughs> I mean, um, anytime you talk to Sam, the cleaning machine, you have the um, aside from the usual co conversation options, you also have. That's good. And then, and then the phobia. I mean, anytime you're near him, the phobia effect comes in, and suddenly you're um, you're debilitated for a lot more than just fighting. Oh my god! Um, since it affects all of your stats, and so I was actually unable to choose a particular conversation line on one scene because um, <laughs> um, my intelligence stat was at the time debilitated from being too close to Sam. I love everything about this. It's good. Yes. So, exactly. so yeah, Outer World's going well. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Wales? Uh, so I've been playing a little bit more Tales of Arise when I can actually get my hands on the Series X. I haven't. 
It is. It's, I am not very far, but it is very good. Very, very good. And the review very, on the site seems very positive. Yes. No, I see a lot of positive, and I've seen not too much in the way of negatives. I've seen some people on Twitter with some complaints about it, but a lot of it's kind of not anything super serious. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to digging in more to the game. It seems seems very good. I mean, like I said before, it's still a Tales game, so if you're going in expecting like the next Final Fantasy VII remake, uh, no. But it is very for tale. It is top tier tales for sure. Um, uh, maybe approaching such like loftier levels, but like seriously, please don't go in expecting this to not be like a JRPG ass JRPG because it is. It's, it's, <laughs> it's just a very, it's a very good one that is very pretty and uh, has sold very well and is probably. Um, you know, reaching a wider audience than the series usually does. So this is good. It's good for the series. It's good for JRPGs. And, you know, it could propel this series forward even more. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I highly recommend people play it when they get the chance. Yeah. I was wondering, how many, how many cupcake reviews have you seen for it so far? Not many. People seem to... Mm, that's good. To understand what kind of game it is and go from there. Indeed. Uh, let's see, what else have I... I've not been playing too much else. RPG-wise. Uh, still plotting. Slowly plotting through Monster Hunter stories. I plan on... Um, making some serious progress in that soon. Um, like I've said multiple times, I want to try and finish a bunch of RPGs in time for like RPG of the Year rewards. It's probably not going to happen. But hey, I beat Dragon Quest 7 and Persona 5 in a short period of time, so anything's possible. It's true. I think the effort nearly killed you, but yeah. Well, I mean, as soon as, soon as I finish up with, or either finish up or get sick of the Outer Worlds, I'll be starting Nino Kuni 2 for a bit. Nice. Oh, yeah. I hear good things. Yeah. And the port Check of, in on the part. The port of 1 was really good, so um, I'd be honestly surprised if this port was not good. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to playing that at some point too. This is definitely, like many games, the preferred platform for it. So, I'm <laughs> also really hoping those those rumors of uh, .hack GU coming to Switch are true as well, because that would be freaking. I mean, it got rad. rated somewhere, which is really rare. Yeah. Not, there's no fire behind that smoke. Yeah, I was pondering Ooh. trying that Dragon Ball Z RPG that's made by... Kakarot? Yeah, mm -hmm. as well, but... Uh, the, my experience always in the past has been playing any Dragon Ball Z game has been, oh, I'm not as big of a fan of this series as I think I am. So... Mm. I'll skip on that one. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's it for me. Mm. Uh, I have I have not been playing much this past week because I've had a lot of hectic stuff going on. So mostly just no more heroes three, which I mean I like no more heroes, but you've all heard about that, and it's not a RPG, so yeah. I mean, hey, I talked about card games. You were welcome to talk about No More Heroes to your leisure. Yeah, but I mean, I don't have much to add from last week at this stage. So. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, that's, I think that's all we've been playing. <laughs> yeah. Is there any news we want to bring up? Um, I'm trying to think of anything specific. Um, Atlas has been putting up a bunch of Persona 25th anniversary stuff, mostly yeah. art. Yeah, they keep threatening that, like, by the end of that 25th anniversary, they'll announce games, but it still hasn't happened yet. Mm. Oh god, I'm playing the wrong monster. Mm. This is going well. Uh, yeah, Persona, I, I would love... Like a Persona collection? Is that a thing? That'd be fun. Is that, is that a possibility we could have? Maybe. I doubt it, but who knows? Stranger things have happened. Just listen, just give me Persona 5 on Switch. I don't care if it's even like the vanilla version of Persona 5 and not Royal. But just, it should be Royal, just, seriously. Just give it to me. Give it. Give it. I will, I will play. I will pay. Over a hundred dollars for such an object. Holy shit! Yes, thank you. <laughs> Please and thank you. <laughs> uh, let's see, it looks like apparently they did like uh, the first like stream about this recently, and it's like, oh, all the anime are going to be on streaming services. Finally, you can watch Trinity Soul and wonder why you bothered. Oh boy. Does anyone even remember Trinity Soul happened? Yes, unfortunately. Yeah. I think I tried to watch an episode of it, and that was enough. It's not very good. No. And I, I liked the um, Persona in a Substantia manga better. I'd believe it. The, yeah. Persona, the original it, it, Persona it, it, 4 anime was really good. Yeah. That's about it. Were any of the other ones any good? Uh, I've heard middling things about the Persona 5 anime. It's just okay. The Persona 4 Golden anime is really boring, except for the one episode that is not based on anything. <laughs> like, the Persona Go 4 on. Golden anime... Is... <laughs> so, so, like, the Persona 4 Golden anime, most of it is uh, basically just bits and pieces from the that were added to Golden, just essentially contextlessly and artlessly reproduce. Mm -hmm. uh, and it like terrible. tries to it sort of reframes the series as being about Marie and it's like this is not that interesting and I don't know why you're doing it. But then they did a Christmas episode. And the Christmas episode is about the protagonist trying to he's like cooking something and he's like inviting some of the girls over 
And they all think it's a date, except for Naoto, who thinks it's a plot, a plot to murder. <laughs> and it just ends in a horrible comedy of errors that ends up looking like someone got murdered. <laughs> and it's the best thing in that series, and can be watched isolated from it, so I would recommend just doing that. It honestly almost sounds like someone got bored with doing the rest of the series and went off the rails. I mean, it was like they only they had to stretch, honestly, not a lot of content to be to fill out twelve episodes. Oh, Jesus, because like that was the shortest episode order you were gonna get, and just because, like you know, if you if you played Persona Four Golden, most of the additions are things that are sort of on the periphery, like they're little things. Like you have. You have an episode or two that's like the, uh, I think Marie was the Aeon, the Aeon Arcana. You have an episode or two that's like the, uh, the Piero Arcana. And then, like, the bonus dungeon can take up an episode or two. Yeah. And that, being generous, is half of your episode order. And then the rest is just like, here's an extra scene that happens at one point. <laughs> Remember that time they went to the beach? What do you mean that's contextless mm. if you're not watching it? Like, if you are watching this on its own, then it's really hard to tell why this is happening or in what order. <laughs> no, that's not a good sign. Yeah, so like, and so eventually they reach a point where it's like, well, we'll just make something up. And what they made up was more fun. <laughs> But yeah, there's. It just, it sounds it's, like a really stupid idea because she's not even a, a playable character. It, it was a very strange choice. I don't fully get what they were going. But yeah, uh, so yeah, that was the like that was the first stream where they apparently announced all of these will be available for streaming now. Yay! Uh, but where? But yeah. Oh, I guess there's a Japanese uh, in Japan. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Although apparently they did address uh, Western fans at some point. Let's see. Uh, September. During um, a year long campaign from September 2021 to fall 2022. Get used to this! Can't wait for you to see everything you got planned. The 25th anniversary merchandise, <laughs> events, collaborations, and even game information. We have many exciting announcements for Western fans and worldwide throughout the anniversary. So yeah, they did briefly take the time to, uh, like, because like Atlas West is also pulled in on this, and they apparently, uh, you know, have permission to say yes. Some of this will also be for Western fans, including game announcements. We'd like to announce so. that we're going to announce some things. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's just inevitable. Uh, have you seen how these work? Yes. <laughs> Did you see the Dragon Quest announcement stream? Yes, I remember we watched that. Yeah. Yeah, that was... Announcement of an announcement of an upcoming announcement. Yeah. I don't know. Just put Persona 2 on things again so I can buy it and yell at people to play it again. It's been a long time. It's okay to skip one. One is bad. Um, yeah. Uh...
but yeah, uh, that's that's kind of the closest thing I can think of to news. Is there anything that actually stuck out to me? I swear there was something. I'll just flip through the homepage to make sure there's not something completely uh, obvious that I'm forgetting. Uh, I just have so much trouble keeping up with all the new stuff. Just... There's a lot happening. Uh, I mean... Half the time, I don't even find out about something on the Japan side until it's actually been announced for America. <laughs> oh yeah, this isn't related, but <laughs> I saw the uh, pre-orders went up for the two Crossbell tra uh, Trails games and realized I should probably pick up Trails uh, Cold Steel 3 and 4 before they become a pain mm -hmm. to get. Yes. Yes. I suppose... the. Actually, probably did happen since the last time that we uh, podcasted. Uh, I think uh, Delta Rune Chapter Two is out. <laughs> that's right. So that's Still that's need, interesting. I need to play part one. And apparently, I, I'm I'm waiting because apparently there's somewhere between like five and seven chapters they're doing. Interesting. And uh, they've announced that Chapter Two will be the last. Uh, Free one, and then they announced that three, four, and five were all in some stage of production at this point. So those those might become a slightly more regular uh, thing to see. Let's see, um, but yeah, uh, that seems to be it for major news in RPGs. I was gonna say uh, I. I was going to say, I have seen those Tales game, not Tales, Trails games uh, around a lot and often on sale, so. Yeah, just keep keep me in mind if you spot a decent sale on them. I would like to yeah. grab them because I am convinced that they will become a pain. Probably. At some point. Uh, I, I think they printed in I mean, a good number of copies. That does not mean much. <laughs> True. True. Yeah. Especially because, well, like, um, okay. I mean, depending on the game and the system, there is a possibility that some of the later games published in Japan will have dual language support. It's true. That's true. Yeah. So uh, at some point, I might get one of these things for the Switch and just check to see, because you never know for sure. Mm. I mean, like right now, I'm, I'm playing playing a game that is, or a copy of a game that is Japanese has mm. Japanese all over the box, but I'm playing it in English. Because, <laughs> hey, that's what my Switch is set for. Yeah. And was... and it's not oh. just the American origin game, because, I mean, when I picked up Dragon's Dogma, I was very surprised to be able to play it in English. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm looking at, like, especially Cold Steel 4, which the... Uh... The Switch version, the physical version, seems to have just been labeled the Frontline Edition, and they don't seem to have done any follow-up on reprinting yet. Ooh. So uh, it's still it's still available. Like I'm looking at it on Amazon right now, and it's not. It's like forty nine bucks, but it's like that's forty nine dollars I don't have right now. So I I would like to grab that before it uh, 
becomes uh, $80 that I don't have right now. That sometimes see happens. What it's going for on GameStop. Also $49. Yeah, that seems to be kind of the floor on it for the time being. Oh, that's new. Uh, yeah. Pre-owned $43. Oh, five whole dollars of saving. All I had to do was let a man eat pizza. <laughs> But yeah. Uh, still possible to get uh, Cold Steel 3 for a mere $40, which is not too bad. Uh, yeah. Uh, just just one of those things that like I suddenly became paranoid about when I saw that the two Crossbow games were available for free. Oh, there's a copy nearby me, by which I mean one state over. I mean, here on the East Coast, that means usually like 50 miles. Probably less, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a funny thing about that, though, is because Long Island is technically, as the crow flies, relatively close to Connecticut. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> oftentimes, doing like inventory searches like, on GameStop, search for near me. it almost yeah. always gives me results from Long Island. Like, oh, this is, like, 30 miles from you. And it's like, yeah, if I had a fucking boat. <laughs> uh, well, just just think of what you could uh, invest in. <laughs> I don't want a boat. You could, though. Oh, hey. As I look at my Twitter feed, Wario64 advertising that... Uh, East Origin for Switch is only $30. Low stock on Amazon. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm going to try to grab those Trails of games. I'm still unsurprised but disappointed that uh, 1 and 2 are not on Switch. That would be yeah. more to my liking. Uh, if they do that, think... I would like them to do that after I finish 1 and 2, so I don't ha get the stupid idea to start. Over. Oh, I gotta start over again. Fuck, no. <laughs> <laughs> gotta experience it all on one console. That means something, right? Yeah, I've still got my Vita lying around, but I don't think I have my copy of Trails of Cold Steel 1 and 2 lying around. I could probably get finagle the PC versions or something. Whatever. This is not uh, news nor interesting. Um, I think it's interesting. Well, yeah, but you're my friend. Titles on this site, and oh, people are always interested. And uh, no, no, I, I mostly mean that it's not. Those games. It's not interesting to my personal journey with purchasing. Uh, yes. Not uh, interesting to the podcast listener. Oh crap! That's right. I was supposed to stream Soul Nomad on the. Oh well, next week. Everything's next week with you. Yes. Yeah, that's my. Here, I'll show it on camera if you're watching my. Stream the the fancy pants one. Yes, my fancy <laughs> copy of Phantom Brave and Soul Nomad. Prinny, Prinny presents NIS Classics Volume One. Although now all I care about is Volume Two. God damn it! You just want that Hero Project? Yeah, I don't absolutely. Care about the Hero other Project. One, um, uh, book game. I'm gonna call it the one. With, the one with the book. Makai Kingdom. Yeah. Again, it's the only other game that ever 
experiment with the same gameplay style as Phantom Brave. I, I feel know, like that is interesting. It's probably good. It's probably good because Phantom Brave is good. Oh god, I did not was, even... Was, um, was Mechite Kingdom the one that attempted to be... Was that the one where like the protagonist came in and they thought... Oh, I'm trying to remember, there was something involving multiple worlds and he visited one that, and he thought that and Nipponichi was trying to make another serious game like Makai Kingdom, and so he detonated the reality and destroyed it. Ah, <laughs> uh, that might have happened. I did That's not where play. the recurring girl who w w desperately wants to be a protagonist came from, because she was supposed yeah, because she was from a cancelled game. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I don't know if that. I think that might be the first game that she got to appear in. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't realize they, they gave Makai Kingdom a subtitle because it's the updated PSP version we didn't get, so it's apparently been relabeled. Uh, Makai Kingdom Reclaimed and Rebound, because you're a book, you see. That, at least that means it should have widescreen support, which would be nice. Hopefully, we can dream. Yeah. And then, this makes me uh, wonder if Full Nomads does, because I don't think that ever got any sort of re-release. I don't believe it did, and there's no indication of the remaster in the Great. Switch games press materials. Great. Then again, uh, it's an absolute hero project on losing Ranger vs. Dark Death Evil Man. It does not also appear to be a remaster in any meaningful fashion either. So, Does it need to be? Uh, yeah, for as far as Wheels is concerned, it does not need to be. Yeah, it's, it's perfect. And then for volume three, I require its spiritual successor. Thank you. Which one was that? Uh, Guided Fate Paradox. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. I was making sure that I was not conflating that with a much, 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 much worse game I remember hearing about at the same time. Uh, which one? Uh, I think my brain somehow, like, wire cross guided fate paradox and time and eternity on ps3 oh god <laughs> you mean the game that made nick's cry at one point yeah yeah it's it's real bad by all accounts i did not play it because it looked and sounded extremely generic and bad oh that was imagey oh, pock oh that's rough oh that's an infamous one yeah yeah it's it is known the other uh, but yeah, were those released around the same time? Is my brain just rough? Let me check. Uh, I think they think they were in relative. Okay, same we're time. seeing like mid 2013 for Time of Eternity. Okay. Guided Fate Paradox was yeah a couple months later. So okay, I can kind of see how I did that. Wait, there's a sequel to Guided Fate Paradox? We don't talk about that one. Yeah, sort of. Um... <laughs> yeah, so... I, you sound unhappy. I believe after Guided Fate Paradox, they, uh, upon Ichi lost a bunch of developers. That happens. Uh, because the follow-up was an extremely generic roguelike. Uh... That looks really ugly. As uh, compared to the awesome sprite work in Guided Fate Paradox, so something definitely happened at the company in between those two games. I find it extremely, extremely funny that the sequel, the Guided Fate Paradox, was a perfectly standard Wikipedia article. 
The sequel has no Wikipedia article. It, it has a link at the uh, top of the Wikipedia page for Guide to Fate Paradox. It takes you right back to the page for Guide to Fate Paradox. <laughs> Truly you, incredible. Yes, you do. Yes, it should be. Yeah, but but yeah, Awaken Fate Ultimatum sounds better. I, I remember sometime around that time, someone... Uh, telling stories about how some developers went to Idea Factory of all places. I've heard the same show. story. So I mean, Nippon-ichi's been bleeding money in developers for years at yeah. this point. So, so I'm pretty sure that's what happened with the sequel. Just, just brain drain. Yeah, mm, it happens. Yeah, yeah. Uh. I mean, I feel like Speaking they've, of... they've started to rebound a bit, and a little bit, a little bit. certainly the American branch is making up for their slack by localizing everything. Yeah, if no one else is picking something up, Niso usually picks it up. Yeah, I, well, I feel like there's not many, not many other. There's no one that really specializes really that anymore. Yeah, like Exceed is mostly just marvelous stuff. Yeah, they've been pulled back into the mothership. They just do marvelous. Yeah. Stuff. Axis is almost exclusively visual novels. And Guilty like, Gear. And Guilty Gear. And <laughs> Which kind of has enough text to be a visual yeah, novel in its story. Rarely, rarely the occasional other odd title, but yeah, mostly just that stuff. Yeah, I'm actually uh, boutique companies. Yeah, obviously, Idea Factory in the West is the only Idea Factory stuff. Oh yeah, speaking of this is not actually that related. I'm just thinking about dead boutique companies that did that kind of garbage. Uh, one of Working Design's unreleased games, uh, a prototype for it, just sold for like $10,000. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, so if anyone... This will just be a bit of video game historical interest that may amuse people. Uh, let's see. So the uh, during the PS2 era, early in that era... Working to, and this will be a bit of a brief history lesson on why working designs doesn't exist anymore. Uh, okay. During during the PS2 era, early on in like 2002, working designs announced a slate of titles for what they were intending to bring out over the next uh, little while. Uh, they had Girl Answer three and four. No wait, it was Girl Answer two and three, uh, which they had not done Girl Answer one because it was like an atlas. Uh, title in Japan or something, and they assumed Atlas would bring it over. Uh, but yeah, so they, they got Girl Answer 2 and 3, and they got a, a PS2 launch game in the Gambare Goemon series. Uh, I forget what this particular title was called. Uh, but... Okay. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was a... It, uh, had been passed over by Konami itself because Konami has essentially had, even at the time, essentially no uh, confidence uh, in the Goemon brand in the West. They had done a few experiments with bringing it over on the N64 and uh, Super Nintendo, uh, found uh, limited enough success that they did not have any confidence in it. They did not bother with this one, Boken Jidai Katsugeki Goemon, uh, which is a very Zelda-esque Sort of game. Uh, working Designs licenses it, uh, tries to fix some of the more obvious problems that it was known to have, uh, the lack of any sort of 
uh, combat lock-on, uh, fixing some of the like early PS2 uh, aliasing artifacts that were common to the system at the time. Just, just a bunch of uh, things that needed fixing. A relatively expensive localization pro project is what I'm saying. Uh, following uh, their acquisition of that title and the Growlancer rights, uh, they ran into several problems. On the Growlancer end, uh, the plan to make these games profitable was, of course, to release each of them with like really fancy-ass packaging like working designs like to do. The problem is Sony Computer Entertainment America uh, looked at them and said, those look old, uh, those are 2D, uh, no. And so the only way they could convince Sony to let them release them at all was to bundle them together. And that's why Grow Lancer 2 and 3 became Grow Lancer Generations. Uh, ah. th then Sony looked at uh, Goemon, a, PS2, a Japanese PS2 launch era game. So like probably about July 2000, if I were forced to take a guess. Uh, see if Wikipedia agrees with me or not. Uh... Ah, uh, December 2000, still. Uh, Launch-era PS2 title uh, in Japan. Uh, Working Designs is prepping to release it in mid-2003. Uh, Sony America looks at it and says, this looks ugly and old. Uh, no. And they've already spent a ton of money on it. They aren't going to just not release it. So they essentially keep, like pinging fees at themselves, resubmitting it, trying to get Sony to let them release it. Uh, and it just, it never happened. Uh, the company closes its doors without ever convincing Sony to let them release it. But the game had been finished for quite a while by the time they shut their doors. And that's where this prototype came in. Because, uh, yeah, like what, what killed Working Designs, of course, was that a lot of the games they were intending to release suddenly... Uh, they took a huge bath on. But uh, as for this Goemon game, it had been finished for quite a while. And so this prototype seems to represent essentially a completely finished game hmm. that has just never been released in the U.S. So it'll be interesting to see if a uh, dump of the released game finds its way onto the internet at some point in the near future. Here's the question it will. I would hope so. It would be nice to, like, I I wanted to play that because I was the guy that wanted more Goemon games in the U.S. at that time. So, it'd be nice. And I really loved that Super Nintendo game, so I probably would have played it for sure. I really loved the, the N64 game, which I played a bit of earlier this week. Oh, I've never played that. It's very uh, Zelda-esque construction, which is similar to how this PS2 oh, nice. uh, game was set up. Uh, and it has a lot of very strange jokes, which is really what you want. Also, unlike the Super Nintendo game, they did not rename uh, going on to the vaguely racist-sounding Kid Ying. Yikes. That, that still bothers Ying. me. Yeah, they renamed going on in Abyss of Water to Kid Ying and Dr. Yang. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You know, just Asian. That's mm. fine, right? <laughs> uh, but yeah. Mystical Ninja starting going on for the N64. Generally made 
much better localization choices. Uh, I seem to recall that one might be the one where there was like a mountain hermit that like in the Japanese version, it's the usual like, oh, he's a pervert. In the English version, he's obsessed with car magazines. <laughs> it's incredible. 100% all for it. Wow. No, these games still take place in the 1500s. <laughs> Wait a minute. Cool. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, but I mean, like, of course, there's also the recurrent Goemon canon. That one, Goemon has a big robot named Impact. And two, that big robot spends most of its time in America shooting movies in Hollywood. So, you know, Classic whatever. Classic 1500s Hollywood. Yeah, that's when that's when they knew how to make movies. Wait a minute. Oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Goemon Goemon does not care about history in any fashion. Oh no, it's kind of like um Tengai Makio in that sense. Oh yeah, very, very much so. But yeah, I was actually replaying the N64 version a bit and uh, that game is aged, but it's still kind of a hoot. It's just like a very silly weird game. I appreciate every time, like it's almost funny in a surrealist sense, every time that the laugh track plays, because in the Japanese version, some sort of semi-coherent joke just happened, and the English version has either directly translated or missed a joke, and it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> but don't worry, the laugh track still played. It's beautiful. But yeah. Uh... Oh, we should probably get to a question. <laughs> At some point, sure. So, good friend PlatyM3 uh, brings up, I believe it was episode 223 where I heard no one's posted in the Discord since July. So this is on whoever said that. It was probably me. <laughs> Going to go out on a limb and make the wildly unsubstantiated claim that comically large breast size of female characters Usually, it's a sign of less than compelling gameplay. I mean, they've got to be compensating for something, right? What games can you think of that defy this trend? What? Yeah, I don't. I don't I know. I think that's ridiculous. Happened. I mean, look at this game right here. This looks like clearly the best game ever made. Oh, uh, you're talking about Monster Hunter Rise? Uh, sure. Yes. Not what I I'm not sure what other game you might you might be talking. Well, about. only anyone that saw it that is watching my stream with the camera saw. So that's a joke between me and whoever you are. Just say it so that I can... I'm the one that has to monitor the RP game of stream to make sure that this, what that chat's doing, if anything. It was Senren Kagura. Of course. Oh, that's not an RPG. Um... In any case, I was going to point out that uh, the, the Monster Hunter Rise twins are basically doing this exact same bit as well. But... Yeah. I also, as I said in the Discord, gonna need to define how much of the cast they have to make up, or otherwise I'm going to say Dragon Quest Eight. Boom. Next question. Uh, That's fair. Uh... Which Laddy tried to respond. I think the plural should cover that. Jessica's not comically large and definitely not red. I think we have differing opinions on comically large. About Tifa, Final Fantasy VII. She's kind of the only one, though, because like he's basically saying there needs to be more than one. But uh, okay. Even and the horny games is... usually limit themselves to like one of each type. Yeah. And, and also, I mean, Tifa 
Tifa's figure is more an artifact of the polygons. True. In the game. Yeah, this was True. this was actually an explicit statement made by uh, the people making the game. It was basically like the amount of polygons on each character meant that every that it was either flat or gigantic, and there was no in between. Yeah. Yeah, much like the original Lara Croft. So yeah. um, I'm gonna say um, endless frontier. Oh yeah, that's uh... where. Where the, um, I mean, both Endless Frontier games, the female protagonist is fairly large in the chest. And, and also um, the Project Cross Zone games as well. Yeah, which are basically um, Endless Frontier sequels. I mean, I, I, count, I count them as a five-game series starting with Namco Cross Capcom. Yeah, they're, they're all in continuity with each other. They're all kind of building on the same gameplay concepts. Yep. And, I mean... The, the prin- um, Princess Kaga in Endless Frontier, she even gets mistaken by a, like a Minotaur demon as like one of his tribe. Oh, some sort of cow. Yeah. Oh, he's just completely in love with her. Uh, yeah. Might as well take the joke when you got it. Yeah. But yeah. Um... Uh... Yeah, like it feels like the the answer is that even the fan service games usually don't double up too much on one archetype. Uh, so usually there's one that's like, oh, the large chested one. But uh, like, so so it's one of those things where like crossovers tend to bring this out more often than not. Uh, I'll throw in again, uh, Super Robot Wars Original Generations. Uh, probably would fit this as well. There's a lot of uh, unrestrained horny going on in the character designs there. So, if you want a wonderful example of this, Queen, um, Queen's Gate or Queen's oh. Sword, Queen's Blade and Queen's Queen Gate. Blade, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're talking about yeah. There's it's normally just one stereotype per game. I'm like, no, that. Queen's Blade and Queen's Gate, they have all of the boob stereotypes. Yeah, just go for it. Why why limit yourself? Think of where you could go. It's like, let's see how many letters of the alphabet we can go down before it gets to be too much. When will the audience stop? Uh, yeah. Uh, this, uh, this, this has already gotten away from us. And you know that that's absolutely why... Uh, Plotty did this to us, and I challenged him to a duel. Uh, I'll probably get the chance to yell at him tomorrow, because I think there's a backtrack recording tomorrow. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll, I don't know, scream uh, fire and brimstone at him, and I don't know, force him to get on the podcast again. It's been a while. Can you also <laughs> tell him, uh, for me, go Red Sox? I, I guess... I don't. Uh, I don't know how baseball is happening right now. Like, I don't know what's happening. Baseball, baseball rivals, sir. I, I figured. Is he what? What? Uh, Tampa Bay Rays. Um. Uh, I didn't realize that they were rivals in any real sense. Yeah, they're in the same division, and it, they haven't been rivals because the Tampa Bay Rays were terrible for most of their existence. <laughs> But they're good right now, so yes, we are rivals. Uh-huh. Uh, it's fine, though. Uh, it's fine, though. 
<laughs> the Mariners are currently above 500, which is a rarity for them. So Yay. that's fun. It briefly looked like they were going to get in the wildcard hunt, but they didn't. Rip. Uh, one of these decades, Mariners. One of these days. One of these decades. Maybe. No, it's getting ridiculous. <laughs> one of these decades. I mean, even the Rays have made the World Series. Yeah. They're cursed. What can I yeah. Like, we watched the... Yeah. We both watched that documentary. They're Is cursed. like four hours? Uh, three and a half. Three and a half, yeah. And it's good. It's yeah, all good. It's like the best baseball documentary I've ever watched. It's incredibly <laughs> fascinating and well put together. <laughs> About you, the history you wanna... of failure. <laughs> If you ever want to watch, uh, if you ever want to spend too much time watching a sports documentary, you can look up uh, the history of the Seattle Mariners yes. on Secret Base on YouTube. No, baseball, this is why I love baseball. It's like the secret RPG of sports because it's stat obsessed. There's so many stats, it's yes. terrifying. And, and a lot of the stats are so weird when you look at them. <laughs> Oh, Listen, you just need to hear. Listen, the only stat is OBS. Play uh, One of my favorite. This is not your streaming setup. One of my favorite <laughs> videos uh, I've seen was the one about uh, the Barry Bonds one. Oh, Barry Bonds without a bat. Yeah, is looking at the statistics. If Barry Bonds like never went up with a bat. Just because of yeah. how often he was walking. Like if he never, if he never swung a bat yeah. at any point during his best season. And it's like, yeah, I, I won't spoil the results of that, but they are something. Yeah. <laughs> also on Secret Base on YouTube, very good channel. Yeah. Even if you don't much care for sports, such yes. as myself. Uh, and <laughs> for those not in the know, yes, yes, Barry Bonds cheated but he was also he is also one of the best baseball players of all time and that's why it's a shame yeah he actually comes up in that mariners documentary again as basically like pointing out he was already incredible yeah but uh allegedly a conversation uh that basically was i'm tired of uh i'm tired of essentially not cheating because oh boy everyone was cheating at that point mm -hmm. Yeah, it's was... not cheating and getting no reward for it. It was bad. Bad times. Let's all forget the this period of uh, extreme success for baseball and ratings because it's all shameful. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, in any case, uh, that was the only question in the Discord. Uh, I don't think we want to spend too much time uh, discussing boob games. So. Uh, but we we successfully disproved the theorem thanks to. Uh, super robot wars. Oh, wait, hold on, hold on. We have a we have a question in my in your stream, chat, my stream chat. Want to become famous? Buy followers, primes, and viewers on. I'm not reading this URL. Yeah, that's wise. <laughs> uh, you should ban the hell out of them right now, just preemptively. Yes. Well, not even really preemptively, but let's see. Uh, the only other thing in the podcast zone. Uh, in the intervening time, oh yeah, that's that's something that we can maybe bring up because it was technically news. That Pokemon trading card game thing that was rumored oh, yes. is now not a rumor yes. anymore. Yes, that happened quick. Um, that's good. Yeah. 
they didn't go into a ton of details on it, but there's now going to be a mobile version, which wasn't a thing before, which uh, for that game... That, that seems like the obvious missing link. Yeah, that's, that's huge, honestly. Uh, I mean, I, I don't have any... I can't give you any numbers of how things like Hearthstone and... Um, Arena. Arena do on mobile, but the fact that... I would imagine it's a huge part of their base. Yeah, it's got to be huge. So this this is really big news. Uh, the client honestly doesn't look all that different from what's there right now, but it's definitely like cleaner, seems to run well, Moved has nicer animations, and it has a ranked mode, which is huge for me because that's... can't believe Wheel Sound has to be a legend in like five card games at this stage. Yeah. But I mean, it, it's that's like a real missing link in what they have now. Just like if you want to play in some some sort of competitive scene all they have are tournaments like little mm. quick eight eight person single elimination tournaments you can sign up for but you can't like buy the tickets to get into them you can only earn them it's just like mm. you know the ladder's fine but you're not always going to be playing against like top tier decks or even like mid tier decks you could be playing against random people like mm. I have this cool card and I'm going to make this deck or like just like casual people like there's no there's no filter and that kind of sucks for people that want to play competitively and also for people that want to just like throw together a janky deck and put it together like I, I think the Pokemon card game is in a really good state and uh, this, is, this is a great time to try and get people to actually play the card game instead of Especially because people love cards and make it more expensive. Right? Oh yeah, I think they actually made it clear that you can get cards through the app, although you can still also get them uh, by putting yeah. in codes. Yeah, I think which is, seems like a best of both yeah. worlds thing. No, that that was always one of the best things about it is you can buy the physical cards and you can get the di get not not the same cards you got in whatever pack. It's you, just you get, get a pack. Yeah, you get another pack in the digital card. It increases your value. Right. Or like if you put in like a starter deck or like a structure deck or whatever, they give you like, I think you could put those in too as well. Yeah. But yeah, like that, that was the sort of thing. It's like, oh, that's good. That increases your value. But yeah, apparently you can just buy digital cards in some fashion, but I don't think they wouldn't have. But yeah. Card games, yeah. they're like RPGs that you play against your friends. Yeah, but I mean, this, <laughs> this is relevant because it's based on an RPG series, obviously, but... Uh, no, I think this is really exciting news for the card game. Um, and like I said, it, it's a nice change from the annoying news of, oh, like, Target has to stop putting these things out for sale because people are fighting Because they're the most scalable things imaginable. Yeah, and people were fighting over them and blah 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 like the card game is great but, and i like how in, in japan um, pokemon cards are behind the counter items at oh, nice. yeah yeah that's what they become in america yeah uh, but yeah this this like is not to just regurgitate what i said last week but this this is really important to get this game up to date with like all the other ones that are kind of doing the same thing and getting in on like the esports scene uh esports yeah because uh you know i've watched like some competitive pokemon tournaments when it was like live in person and just like magic 
It's a pain in the ass to figure out what the hell is going on. <laughs> so yeah. to have a really nice client you can present, because the current one just doesn't look all that great, is, is going to be good for the game. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I will definitely stream some uh, some ranked grinding whenever that comes out. So I don't know if they said it in the announcement, but I'm just going to hope and assume that your collection from one is going to be just be in the next one. Otherwise, that it would be suck. weird if they didn't do that. Yeah. But that's how card games stay sticky. Yeah. yeah. Just just in case it's not the case uh i did not don't think i saw any official confirmation of that but i would say it's a safe assumption hmm. and this wasn't actually a question it's just tam saying that he wants to be on more but can't yeah that's, that's the other thing that happened in the podcast section yes Always welcome, always welcome. And that goes for most of the staff. <laughs> let's see. So let's hit the fire miner list. Um, here's one that uh, Gaijin can quite accurately put to bed. How remote can rural Japan be? Um, how remote? Yeah. Like... Like, we're not sure how this house has not fallen off the side of the mountain remote. <laughs> I, I suppose in the sense of how how far away can something actually be from uh, civilization, given the uh, like the uh, frame system in Japan? <laughs> well, on the main islands, um, anywhere between 10 to 30 kilometers away from a major line of transportation and about 5,000 feet up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the question was in the high, but pretty close. Yeah. Hmm. Um, if you but... want to get really remote, then some of the little islands out in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, those are <laughs> the kinds of islands where someone found out that someone still thought World War II was happening in 1970. <laughs> no, that was the Philippines. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah, that was um, all the little islands in the Ch Japanese archipelago. Everyone was aware of when stuff ended. Yeah, because they were still close enough to being within Japan. They were still close enough to the center of Japan. It's like, yeah, someone's gonna have, gonna alert you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, the the follow up question being, is it a good setting for games? I mean, like being on a mountain's pretty bad. Bad times. Yeah, I'd say that you can you can make that work. But I mean, like you, you there are Japanese horror games that do this, and the usual traditional Japanese horror games. Are is very specifically in Japan is spooky old mansion or castle. <laughs> yeah. Like go play Fatal or Frame or something. Random, I mean, I know several different horror manga that have small isolated islands somewhere off the coast as the main location. Yeah. Uh, I think quite a few. Uh, Actually, I can think, I'm thinking of more and more of them as I go right now. I was like, okay. Yeah. See also the Siren series uh, on PS2. Were both kind of uh, like one was a mountain village and one was a an off the shore island, like small island. Mm -hmm. So yeah, uh, you you can get far enough out that it is a problem to reach civilization, even if it's not as much of one as you can get in America. <laughs> yeah, but I mean the roads tend to be much narrower and rougher in the mm -hmm. in the hinterlands in Japan than they would be in America. 
just because Americans yeah. have a road fetish. Um, yeah, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it gets remote enough that, like, when they when they rebooted Lilo and Stitch for a Japanese version, they chose a little island to the southeast of Japan. Mm. So, southwest of Japan. I think, like, halfway between Japan and Okinawa. That it's ridiculously sense, yeah. tiny. And it works. Like at home, eh? Um... That's another one that we can, uh, since it's a bundled up related question. 42. Besides the games you have mentioned several times on the podcast, like some what games give a good illustration of daily life in Japan. I'm not sure Summer and Mara counted there, but uh, I guess like sort of Japan daily life of games. Daily life in Japan. Persona 4. <laughs> Kinda. Well, thanks, Paul. Not, not kind of. I mean, aside from the whole going into the TV thing, that was very much a small town Japan atmosphere in that game. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, if you don't mind a bit over the top in the other direction, the Yakuza games actually have a pretty good. Um, that's that's Kabuki Show. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, of the red light districts of Japan. Hmm. I mean. Uh, I'm, I'm still remembering that one interview, I think it was on boingboingboing.net, where they actually got yeah, three yeah. Yakuza bosses to sit down and play Yakuza 3 and give their comments. Yeah, honestly, if you want the, the smaller town parts of uh, and you can actually play the opening bits of Yakuza 3, which are all on like this sort of, uh, not rural per se, but much less densely populated portion of, I think, Okinawa is what it's supposed to be. But... Yeah. Uh, Yes, uh, Persona was... 4 and the Yakuza games are actually fairly um, indicative of... I mean, as long as you ignore some of the parts that are very obviously not normal. Fantastic, all of that. Oh, I did think of one that I may have mentioned before, but it's kind of... Uh, like, this was kind of its reason for existing, but... Boku no Natsuyasumi. Which... Uh, the creators of just made a Shin Chan game that's basically another Vogue on Yasumi game. Yeah. Uh, which, obviously, none of those games ever came to America in any fashion. Um, but, uh, you know, like, they are very much uh, a nostalgic uh, attempt to recapture the mood of a uh, Japanese childhood in the summer. Recently, 43. I recently talked about comics with a few friends, which led to a discussion on the American comic book distribution network being somewhat worse than Japan. That's an honest statement. The states have a lot of bad <laughs> interstate and inner city routes. That's not the only reason. That's not even close to the main one. Uh, mm -hmm. Do they affect video game distribution in America too? They do, in the sense that you have to ship something earlier than you do in Japan. But that's not the problem that American comics have as far as distribution goes. Uh, like, product gets there. Like, it gets to the places it's supposed to go. The problem with American comic distribution is that they're super tied up in... Uh, 
Diamond, which only distributes specifically to comic book shops, which means that there's no distribution to anything else. Uh, certainly, logistically, it's more expensive to ship comics around the U.S. than it is in Japan, but that's like that's not the reason that manga is so much more accessible and popular than comics are in America. Mm-hmm. And I mean, a lot of the other things is just like you pick up a copy of like one of the five hundred. <laughs> That's that's a bit much, but like one of the dozens of uh, like manga anthologies, and it's like you're spending a fairly insubstantial sum for very cheaply printed comics that are, uh, but like a gigantic slate of them. Like you can, there are probably, and if you're in the demographic that they're trying to sell to, there's probably a couple of comics in there that you care about and enough to get your money's worth. You're buying floppies in the U.S., and it's like they're demanding that you subscribe to them before they're even out. Uh, you have to go to a specialty comics book store to buy them, and it's like five dollars per like twelve page issue. Yep. So yeah, the, the big chunky things are pulpy as heck, literally physically pulpy. Yeah. But they give you a good overview of what's current, what's new, and they're usually used to debut new series. So they usually have like voting pages in the back where you can just mail in which ones you think are best. And that's how new series get greenlit for major publication. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like, you know, like the thought process quite reasonably is the pulpy ones you throw out, then you buy, like, if you really like the series, you buy the collected volumes that are just that series. And those are like $7. Yes. So, you know, it's like, you know, these are, much cheaper they're much easier to find like that's that's the big issue with american comics like actual uh, logistical distribution around the u.s is a pain but it's also a solve like mostly a solved problem it is understood how you do it like that's not what's keeping uh comics down in the u.s it's antiquated marketing situations and Quite a few, like, general agreements have lasted way too long. I guess. Mm. Uh, let's see. One, uh, I can maybe speak a bit more on, although I have to probably take a quick guess. Uh, or take a quick peek at something, but... Uh, number 44, reading RP Gamer's review of Assassin's Creed Valhalla makes me want to ask this. Is adding immersion to the game... If adding immersion to a game means edging closer to being an RPG? Uh, I... Th- it's complicated. I think, to some extent, because of the way that that mold of RPG functions, uh, you end up having to detail the world to some greater extent in order to make the quest system function. And mm. so that addition, uh, like, essentially as a byproduct of making it an RPG, which Assassin's Creed evolved into in part to make it uh, a longer, more substantial uh, set of games, uh so, so basically, like, you know, you, you add in things like a quest system, and that causes, a, like, for most players, a greater sense of immersion, because, like, you have to, you have to detail parts of the world in addition. So I would, I would say that it's almost backwards. It's like, the aspects that 
make it that they used to make Assassin's Creed more of an RPG end up making it feel like it's shooting more for immersion. And I'm sure that wasn't by accident. I'm sure that they were uh, happy with that. But at the same time, I think that uh, the, the mechanic likely came first and that caused a greater emphasis on immersion. You, you sort of mmmed at the beginning, Wheels. Did you have a thoughts on this? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, conversely, your favorite cinematic gaming experience, whole game and not just any particular moment. Hmm. I have to think about what I was, would consider a cinematic experience. Um, Some game intros have been very cinematic. Yeah, but if we're trying the entire game, uh, it's almost cheating because again, it's more like these these games that I'm thinking of are more like books. But I mean, that does mean that they have like a much more uh, a much less video gamey sense of narrative pacing. But uh, I just played this like a month ago. Great Ace Attorney Chronicles is still like batting around in my head and like when you get to those last few trials and the camera's starting doing some real swoopy things and uh the the narrative climax that has been moved towards for by that point two games is uh pretty wild and uh quite memorable essentially immediately um if i'm thinking of something that is less speedy uh Every uh, set piece in Resident Evil 4 feels like a really good action movie set piece and does give the game a sort of cinematic flair that a lot of action games don't have because their pacing isn't that on point. <laughs> uh, you guys got any? Um, cinematic sequences in games. I like the entire game being treated as a cinematic experience. Okay, that's not most of the games I play. Yeah, um, same, which is why I start having to dig for some weird choices. <laughs> um, okay, like the, the original Nino Kuni for a DS, it's pretty much a Ghibli movie put into cartridge format. I mean, Man, there's the animated sequence. I mean, you have the actual animated sequences, and then you have the parts that are rendered in the game's in, um, sprite engine, and might as well be animated. <laughs> it was definitely one one of the best games you've ever you will ever see on the DS. <laughs> definitely not the best game you'll ever see on the PS3, but it tries. Yeah, it's it's got very good art in any case. Yeah. And you got anything, Wales? Yeah. Uh, okay, well let's hit a question or two more before we're done. Uh these are ones I can probably uh shed some light on since they're the kinds of news that I tend to keep up on. 
what are the chances of studios owned by Microsoft doing licensed games? Would Obsidian ever do another South Park game, for example? I mean, Bethesda is still working on an Indiana Jones game that is likely to be an Xbox exclusive. Yeah. And I, I don't think Obsidian would necessarily do a South Park game. I think that's in Ubisoft. I don't even think they did the second one. No, they didn't. Was yeah, that was Ubisoft entirely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think it's impossible. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's something they would ever roll out. I just, I think it would just take the right opportunity. Yeah, like I feel like by becoming a first party studio, Bethesda, someplace like Bethesda, suddenly, like, the license has to be huge. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Tam seems to have entered for a cinematic game, some of the more uh, modern Tales games as a favorite cinematic experience. One day I'll play Berseria, but probably I'll play Horizon first. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, but yeah, I, I feel like it would have to to get companies like Obsidian. It has to be a century. They essentially have to be offered something like Star Wars again. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's the only way you're going to see that. Um, like, the, the, you know, because you get something like South Park that is, has, has a hardcore base and was popular many years ago. Uh, like, broadly, more broadly popular many years ago. Uh, but has sort of uh, been subsumed into a niche. Like, I don't think that Microsoft would be super interested in having one of their first-party studios spend their time doing that. But you get something like Indiana Jones that, like, still has enough cultural cachet that uh, the marketing essentially does itself, and you'll probably continue to see that. But, yeah. It's one of those... Uh, the kinds of licenses they'll deal with will probably be have to be much higher profile, or it's just not going to happen. <laughs> see and this one's uh see uh this one's less of a question i'm not sure how much there is to say on this but okay i know the tango game works already under zenimax when the microsoft merger happened but i always find it not a coincidence that shinji mikami who's japanese developer famous for making the least japanese games as a studio be bought by westerners uh i mean i feel like mikami is very comfortable in a number of different uh styles and design modes because you look at some of the other things he's made like God Hand is one of the Japanese games to ever Japan. Uh, uh, like, there's an ungodly amount of, like, uh, very uh, Japanese-style absurdist humor and uh, Fist of the North Star uh, intermixing in that video game. And I feel like Mikami is the sort of person who is comfortable in a number of modes. He was, uh, you know, obviously, he, he was like executive producer on things as disparate as Resident Evil and Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney. So I feel like uh, he was a producer on Steel Battalion. That game's 
the most boutiquely Japan that you can imagine. <laughs> Clearly, he has a very good. He's very good at working with Western publishers and seems to be perfectly happy doing that. But it's one of those things where it's like, I think that he has a. Uh, I think that he is happy working in a number of different modes and is relatively. Uh, d does not limit himself in that fashion. Which is, you know, that's impressive and admirable because it's like, it's hard to work with both Western and Japanese studios because they often take very different tacks to how uh, projects should be done, what should be approved, all that. Uh, but, you know, uh, I do think that he does have a lot of uh, capacity to do that and seems perfectly happy doing both. So, you know, mad respect for an incredible creator. So. I mean, you'll, you'll see that a lot with, like, in general, the entire... Uh, that, that generation of Capcom and Clover uh, especially were very good at that as well. Because, like, you can look at what Platinum Games does now and they're very happy working with both uh, Western and Japanese publishers and have done a lot of work with both, a lot of good work with both. Uh, there generally is a lot of uh, capacity to uh, do that for developers that are sufficiently minded to do so. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, it's it's pro it's telling that he was the kind of person that would allow that acquisition because he is perfectly comfortable working in multiple modes. But yeah, uh, let's hit another one because this is basically in the same wheelhouse. Also, looking at the list of studios under Microsoft's umbrella, is it true that Microsoft has no real commitment to JRPGs? I don't think they have commitment to trying to develop them internally. Yeah. Uh, I think that they are fully aware that their corporate culture does not mix with uh, does not mix very well with any of the major players in Japanese RPGs. Uh, so they're perfectly happy to just make sure that the big names end up also on their platform. But I don't. I, I think that it's understood within Microsoft that, uh, that those are not the kinds of games that they're very good at. Uh, Producing internally, they, they they have had much worse relationships trying to directly oversee their RPG development. I'm sure that somewhere within Microsoft is still like a big, it's uh, a big note that just anytime you start looking at JRPGs, it's like, are you going to do True Fantasy Live Online again? Because don't. <laughs> Remember that one? What <laughs> was that? That was the level five developed original Xbox MMO that was killed late in that system. Oh, like, right. the fact that it was absolutely never happening in time for it to make any sense for it to release. But yeah, True Fantasy Live Online. Some people were looking forward to it. I was never quite clear why. Cause it looked like a very generic didn't, MMO, but yeah, it didn't. Uh, what was that 3DS RPG they did? Uh, Fancy Life, which yeah. seems like it might have recycled some of the ideas. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask, if that was like the left leftovers from True Fantasy Online or not. I, I think it would have more been just like 
some of the same ideas that had gone into it, just by virtue of the fact that, like, Fantasy Life, it's a... It was many years after True Fantasy had been killed. I mean, look, just to be sure that I'm remembering the timeline. Like, True Fantasy Live Online would have been killed in, uh, like, 2005. Uh. And Fantasy Life's first release was in late 2012. Okay. So, yeah. I think it was more just some of the same ideas went into them. But, yeah. No, like, obvious... Oh, we just took this thing from Fancy, True Fancy Live Online, threw it in there. But yeah, I think there's an understanding at Microsoft that uh, just trying to impose their will on a JRPG developer has ended poorly for them. So, perfectly happy to just write up contracts that get them like the occasional JRPG when they want to uh, take a chance on that market. Uh, Uh, okay, uh, we'll probably go through uh, 50 since we're at 49 I'm right now. Yeah. yeah, just get that all out of the way and then uh, do our plugs. But uh, let's see, uh, do you think there will no longer be RPGs having a cultural impact as big as Skyrim or Final Fantasy VII? Feels like a successful RPG nowadays is something people still talk about. Uh, three months after its release. I mean, you get the occasional, but, like, it's it's hard. I mean, like, part of the problem is that those those big and old games are still around and still useful bywords for, to explain to someone what something is. So, like, they just the fact that... They make themselves iconic. Yeah. Like, you can just explain to someone, like, that a Western RPG is like Skyrim, and that contributes to, essentially, the unending success of Skyrim. Uh, but you, you know, if I say that it's like The Witcher 3, that'll, that'll matter to a lot of people, because that did very well. Uh, I would say that's probably the most successful uh, attempt to do this recently. Is we still there? Because yeah, the stream yeah. just got out for me. Uh, let me check just to make sure that it's still there. Okay, yeah, it seems to be playing at the moment, so it should be fine. Okay. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, like, in, in general, as a genre sort of uh, becomes more uh, understood and... Uh, set in its ways in terms of like this is how this works uh like new games become less iconic which makes it harder for them to have that staying power that something like uh skyrim or ff7 and both of those are examples of it doesn't have to be the first but as long as it's the first one that most uh people played it'll still be the first one they think of but yeah uh and to some extent, though, that ends up transferring to the uh, to the franchises around them. But, you know, I, I don't know that it's possible for an RPG to have that kind of cultural impact again because there's so many RPGs in there. Uh, like, it would have to be unique enough that people bring it up as a point of comparison. 
and I'm not convinced mm -hmm. that's super possible at this stage. Um, I'm sure that, like, there's many different variations of RPGs waiting to happen, but, like, it would have to break into, like, to reach that level of cultural impact is really hard when, you know, people's entertainment's just getting more segmented by the day. It's the same thing for, like... Yeah, I mean, it's the same reason that, like, uh, there's nine million... Uh, they're still doing, like, 9 million new Star Trek series. It's like, well, people remember things from, uh, like, this, people remember things from that era and, like, in general, just because, well, there wasn't as much to pick from. Mm-hmm. Uh. That, and there's also a bit of survivorship bias where we don't really remember a lot of the stuff that didn't survive from 40 years ago. Yeah, yeah. But... It's one of those things, like, it's, you, you definitely have the benefits of the three-channel effect for those sorts of things as well. But, yeah, uh, if there's, you know, there, there might be things like this, but, you know, there, there's a reason that FF7 or Skyrim were, like, once-in-a-decade successes. And, you know... We'll we'll see what manages to do that next, but few of them, few of the recent once in a decade successes have been RPGs. They've been, you know, things that were codifying other genres, things like battle royales or whatever the hell we call Minecrafts now. <laughs> sandbox games. Uh, sandbox games are a broader story than that. Cause, I mean, fucking. People, people at the very least used to call uh, Grand Theft Auto a sandbox game. I'm not sure if they still do, but uh, yeah, just creation games, maybe. Hard to say. We'll workshop it. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> voxel games. No, because it's not literally not made in voxels. Get out of here. Uh, Minecraft likes. No. Crafters. Yep. Crafter likes. <laughs> uh, moving on. Uh, okay, stuff with question 50, which I don't have much to say on, but we also might say something, like have something to say about this. Does anyone feel like Diablo 2 is better than 3 at setting up the atmosphere? Uh... Wheels is dead. See, I had friends who oh, played Diablo 2. What was the question again? <laughs> Does anyone feel like Diablo 2 is better than 3 at setting up the atmosphere? Yes. There. Yes, definitely. Your authoritative uh, answer. I mean, I feel like Diablo 3 is a little more just going all over the place and bigger. Whereas Diablo 2 starts you in like this village area and it builds up to like this desert town and then it just it slowly builds up to going to hell. Whereas uh, Diablo 3's big stuff happening from the beginning. Uh, so yeah, Diablo 2 definitely does a better job of that. It's, I just wish it had a little more color in it, and then maybe it would uh, also look a lot nicer. Yeah, 
that's uh, that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, uh, and also fuck Activision Blizzard. Um, uh, yeah, but yeah, uh, I think that that is a reasonable roundup of questions. I think that uh, one Gaijin Monogatari has some uh, plugging to do. Oh, it's the time again. Okay. Uh, uh, excuse me, let me... Here, yeah, the weather's been kind of weird, so my head's been all over the place lately. Understood. Yeah. Anyway, yes, yeah, so we have... Um, so if you enjoy tabletop gaming, if you enjoy stories about tabletop gaming, if you enjoy the... Uh, vicarious thrill of seeing of reading someone else accidentally rolling a one mm-hmm. and having to deal with the and having to deal with the repercussions then we have a book series for you it is princesses of the pizza parlor by michael yarimizu y-a-r-i-m-i-z-u aka my wife's maiden name um on kindle and kindle unlimited it has currently nine episodes two side quests and a not long novel length um, Paralogue, most recent <laughs> publication, which eventually I'm going to make Wheels read through all of these. Eventually. Yes. I mean, I'm not writing them that quickly, but he's still losing ground regularly. Because uh, they don't read very often. <laughs> yeah. Do it, Wheels. I also have stacks of comics to get to, like this stack right here Justice League's. I can guarantee you that my stuff is be- better written and more original. Probably, but it doesn't have the pretty pictures. It's very love pretty pictures. Covers. They, have, they have wonderfully beautiful um, cover. No, the covers are awesome. Yes. Many props go to my regular cover artist in um, Astrid Voinovich. She does a very good job. I mean, I am, I am nearing the end of book two. We'll say that. Move fast. Episode Pokey. two or book two? Book two. Or epis... episode two of book one. Yeah, okay, yes. You're only like four years behind at this point. Getting there. Getting there, yeah. Note that each of these episodes is roughly twenty to 25,000 words. So... Let us feel free to keep making fun of Wheels for his reading speed. Sorry, Wheels. It's as okay. we said. I deserve it. <sighs> oh, there's a Manta Queen that I didn't see. Hello. Uh, Wheels, how about your flux uh, for the week? Uh, sh- check out my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash askwheels, where I'm often streaming non-RPGs, including we've been doing some Smash Brothers on Sunday the past two weeks, uh, and I've been streaming some Odd Destiny 2 here and there, uh, which I've gotten back into, and I'm finally actually making progress in it. Um... And that's about it. Well, okay then. Uh, maybe we'll play Neptunia. Oh, yes, and Neptunia on the RP Gamer Twitch channel on Sunday nights, uh, which 
took a took a week off this week and we'll be back. Or took brain networking. Uh, next, the we'll be back after a week off. That was almost a sentence. Pew and okay, chat. so wheels. Hold on, hold on. I have to skill Pew in chat right now. What is this ripoff Pokemon? This fucking game was out before Pokemon by like five years. I trolling you, dude. I know, but Which it game? still burns. Also, I believe this was like a 1989 game, so you're looking yes. closer to six or seven. Ah! Which game is it? Final Fantasy Legend. Final Fantasy Legend. <laughs> How is Final Fantasy Legend even close to being a Pokemon ripoff? I think I think, I think he's yanking wheels. Being trolled. Quite obviously, yes, but still, that's the. I mean, wheels. Just because it's just a top-down Game Boy game. Yes. It's just like that's one of the like. There are very few ways that he could insult it that would be even dumber. So why are you taking the bet there? I'm tired. It's very easy to yank wheels. Yes. But yeah. Um. Uh, as for me, I continue to ramble on my Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash... Let me make sure that I remember the bad name that I pulled out because I just did not feel like thinking about it longer. Uh, yeah, Patreon.com slash Game Culture Study. A uh, bunch of essays that also have uh, narrated versions. Uh, absolutely nothing is hidden behind patronage, but if you throw me a couple bucks or like send a comment say you read it and that you think i'm dumb or not dumb your your choice uh i appreciate those uh otherwise i think that about wraps it oh no wait no we have to say that you can ask us questions you can ask them via the discord uh you can reach by going to rpgamer.com and clicking on the community tab where you will find an invite to the lovely discord with its lovely community you can also uh, ask us questions in the comments section to this very episode. We usually have to check back a few episodes, and it may take a while because we all post these at arbitrary and nonsensical times. Mm. Uh, up to and including right before we record <laughs> the most recent episode. True. Uh, but yeah, and uh, otherwise... Um, Oh, yeah, and you can also uh, chat in the... Uh, you can also leave questions in the Twitch chat. Uh, we usually stream on Wednesdays uh, somewhere between uh, around, like, 8.30 uh, Pacific, 11.30 Eastern, but this week we were on Tuesday because reasons. Uh... Just about bugging Tam Tam. What you gotta say? Uh, but yeah. Oh yeah, you can bug Tam in the Discord. That is possible. That is allowed to do. Also, sometimes the wheels are getting no signal. Yeah, intentionally uh, shut it down. Okay. Uh, but yeah. Uh, and also occasionally I get called in to mediate some arbitrary piece of nerd bullshit. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, you can talk on the Discord, but yeah, or you can talk in the Twitch chat. Twitch chat. Uh, you can watch us, or you can watch Pam, or any, or JC Servant, or many of the other fine people who love to routinely stream. There's always good things on the 
Gamer Twitch channel, uh, RP Gamer Twitch channel. There's all sorts of stuff you can be watching. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's that's gonna be it for us. So, see you, Space Cowboys. See ya. You know it's all about what we